0: If you want to learn more about how to find a job you'll like, maybe even love after you graduate from college, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is an expert job search and career consultant. She's also a LinkedIn learning course creator focusing on careers, and she is a brand new author whose super actionable book is entitled Do This Not That and then I'm going to add the words in your career just as Do This Not That Career What to do and not do in 75 plus different workplace situations prior to launching jobjenny.com in 2010 Jenny had spent about 7 years in recruiting in the IT industry as well as in robotics, working for big name companies to place executive level professionals, as well as sales, marketing, and engineering professionals. But before I tell you more about Jenny Foss, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. And if you haven't signed up, go to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org. We focus on career advice, insights, and tips featuring the professionals who are actually in the jobs that most interest you. Just head over to time, the number 4 coffeeorg and sign up. But getting back to Jenny Foss, Jenny didn't start out her career journey in recruiting. No, my friends, far from it. After she graduated from college, she became a journalist before deciding to pivot into marketing and communications. We're going to dig into all of this in addition to getting some of Jenny's best job searching advice for students who are graduating in 2023. Jenny,
1: welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you, you. caffeinated out there in Portland, I am- Oregon? Well caffeinated. I'm I'm two in so far. So I am. I am ready to roll. Well, you
0: are in the land of specialty roasteries and all kinds of amazing coffee out there in Oregon.
1: Yes, we are. I had some stump town this morning, which is one of one of the brands we are very well known for.
0: Yes. And I've enjoyed it on many an occasion because I worked for Mercy Corps and would go to Portland periodically and, of course, got to enjoy Stumptown. So love it and love the store and the vibe. And there are tons of small coffee shops all over Portland.
1: Coffee and beer. That's what (laughs) we are going for. And rain. Wait, and Pinot. Yes. The Willamette Valley. We have our Pinot Noir. Yes, we do.
0: Yeah. You've got a lot going on there in Portland, even
1: despite the weather, the rain. Yeah. Well, with the wine, I think it's because of the weather. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, Jenny, I would love for us to flashback to when you were in college. You went to Michigan State University. I did. And you got go green. your go green and we're both wearing green and you got your BA in journalism. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated?
1: I thought I did. Yes, I did want to be a newspaper reporter and very fortunately because I graduated in a a down economy which I know many people know all about through the pandemic years, and in a very challenging career field. So I was extremely lucky to find a job in my field right out of college. I am embarrassed to tell you what the salary was. It it, it was not much above livable, (laughs) but it did give me an opportunity to do what I went to school for for the first couple of years in my career.
0: You said you were very lucky. Was there luck
1: involved? Was this a case of serendipity? How did you find that job? That is an interesting question. Well, I, I was fairly relentless, I will say that, Interestingly, my very first job was at a weekly newspaper 50 miles from my home. So I drove an hour each way to get to this tiny little weekly newspaper. Six months into my job, I learned that they were doing some layoffs at that newspaper and my job was going to end. And I believe my my editor was prepared to just say, sorry, you've been great. And I knew that the publishing company of that newspaper also owned a daily newspaper in my hometown, 50 miles away. And I, I raised my hand and said, well, what about the Daily Tribune? Is there anything I could do at the Daily Tribune? And the answer ended up being yes. So so to your point, I don't know that it would have worked out for me the way that it did if I would not have raised my hand and asked that question. But I went from having an hour commute to having a three-minute at a larger newspaper within six months.
0: That's almost as good as rolling out of bed and, it was <laughs> and staggering to the kitchen table door. <laughs>
1: Yes, that, that's today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You and me both. So what other extracurricular activities or volunteer work or part-time gigs were you involved in, Jenny, outside of the classroom that may have actually helped you prepare for the working world or may have actually helped you when you got out? Into that first newspaper job, and you get bonus points if you can show how the water skiing club you were a member of helped you in that regard.
1: I'm Get the bonus points because that was just purely for fun. Yes, I was on Michigan State's water ski club. Which to imagine a water ski club in Michigan where it doesn't get that warm until summer when everybody's out of school is a little crazy. But were you in a wetsuit? Some of the time. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Some so you, you you have a high tolerance for cold water.
1: No, not really. <laughs> you just don't fall. You don't fall.
0: <laughs> That's the key. And you get up very quickly. <laughs>
1: Get up and you can do a dry start too, like off a a dock or something. So if you're really careful, you don't get terribly wet. But no. My extracurriculars, if you will, that I looking back think were were pretty helpful. One is I became the resident manager at an apartment complex during college. So I was able to get free rent and a small amount of money each month for being the point person with my roommate. We both did it at an apartment complex where we were in charge of cleaning the hallways and the stairwells every day, and making sure people weren't parking in the parking lot without a pass, etc. It was a pretty gross job, but it really did help give me kind of that sense of responsibility and. I guess, discipline, because you got your homework, you got your fun things that you're doing, and but still every day you had to sweep through all four floors and clean up trash or even worse. And so you, you did have that discipline. I think that was helpful. I was also a member of a student um, news bureau, which was called Capital News Service, where it was a class, but we would go and report news out of the the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan, which was very close to, to Michigan State. So that gave me a bit of professional exposure before I actually had a job. And then finally, I had a part-time job working for the university's fundraising team, so the development fund, and we would cold call people asking for money and Boy, I'll tell you to this day, that has helped me being fearless or at least relatively fearless and not taking things personally, which I think for people looking for a job is an extremely beneficial uh, capability. Actually, there are no's.
0: Yeah, there are no's. And as a former journalist myself, I can attest to the fact I heard no all the time. The people that I wanted to interview, the sources I was trying to cultivate, having doors slammed in my face, all that stuff, which is why I say there are so many aspects to sales that go beyond being a quote unquote sales representative. You can have a sales function as a journalist, as a development officer or support staff so many different ways and it's so transferable as a skill set
1: absolutely even selling your ideas to a team if i have a strategy or plan in mind but i need to get buy in from from my boss or my team having that art of persuasion and strategy That goes a long way. And it takes some time to cultivate. It really does. But being a telemarketer very much helped.
0: That's such a great point for students to hear because if you just need to make some money, that's a great job to get. You can do it from anywhere. And the skill set is super transferable. You just need to know how to connect those dots, which is what you do so well with your clients. So I like. To move from your journalism experience, Jenny, because your next career industry was marketing and communications, how did you and why did you decide to pivot from journalism into, I think, launching your own company, Fusion Communications?
1: I worked at- for a bit in a PR role, corporate PR role. And then yes, my first business was a strategic marketing and communications business. The reason I changed, it was a couple of reasons. One is I learned fairly quickly as a journalist that I really enjoy writing, especially creative writing. And I'm not so much of a news hound or an investigator. So I would be sent to go cover this crime scene or whatever and have to race over there and talk to the police. And I didn't like it, which some of my colleagues loved that. They truly were, we'll call it a news hound. I was a writer. And so so that got me thinking a couple of years into the newspaper. But also, prior to my arriving at the newspaper, the the staff had to negotiate a new contract it was a union environment and they just had negotiated a contract and a lot of the long timers were not happy with the contract terms so i walked in i'm i'm getting more money than i was making at the weekly newspaper i'm 3 minutes away i mean i'm loving it but the morale in the newsroom for a good part of the time that i was there was not super great so that that was starting to Bummed me out a little bit, and so I just happened to hear of an opportunity in public relations in marketing communications, which is it's it was a a smooth transition as a journalist because there is so much writing and communicating in that role, and so I, I decided to try my hand at that. Liked it, got pretty good at it, and. Seemingly, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial bug. So I decided to form my own independent consultancy working with small businesses.
0: Amazing.
1: I'd like to
0: just pick up on what you said that you heard of another opportunity, because this is what I call the magic of our career journey. It's something that we often don't shine a light on. It's the serendipity, it's the meeting a person, it's the learning about a potential opportunity in an industry you would never considered that ends up directing our next steps in our career. How did you hear about this new opportunity?
1: Do I even want to admit this one? (laughs) She's still one of my best friends, so obviously we got past it. One of my good friends who I met at that newspaper had heard of a role, an opening at a robotics company and said, hey, look at this. She knew I was kind of looking too. So it wasn't a secret. And we both looked at it and we both decided to apply. And we were both finalists for the job and I got the job. And for a while, I felt really guilty because I hadn't known about the the opening until she presented it to me. So that was a little weird. It, that, I suppose, was serendipitous. She ended up going on into healthcare PR. I obviously was there. Again, we are still good friends. <laughs> it was a little bit awkward at the moment.
0: <laughs> I bet, but fortunately, you got past that. So. You also worked as a Director of Marketing and Communications at Entertainment Publications. How did that happen?
1: When I started my first freelance business, my marketing communications agency, I was nervous that I might not be able to do a full-time income at first. And so I got this idea that maybe I can find a part-time marketing or PR job. So I just, one Sunday, went out on the job boards, Googled up a storm, and found this shockingly part-time opportunity with entertainment publications, which for anyone who's Probably parents had one of these, those big coupon books that they were like, buy one, get one coupons, schools would sell them as fundraisers. That was their big product. And so I saw they had an ad for a part-time communications director, which seemed crazy to me, but I thought, what? And so my background fit very well with what I understood they were looking for. So I submitted my materials online. That's all I did on a Sunday. And on Monday afternoon, one of their internal recruiters called me and said, Can we talk? Which was unbelievable. And yes, it turns out that my background did line up really well for what they needed. The reason it was part-time is they had not ever prior to me had a full-time head of communication. So it was kind of a, a trial at first for them. And it worked out great for me because I was able to do both. And yeah. that was actually a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it gave me great corporate experience and then still allowed me to to dabble with my, my entrepreneurship with smaller businesses. So it, it was a fun time.
0: Now, after a few years of juggling, you decided, I guess, that marketing and comms wasn't for you. Why did you decide to pivot again? And what was your next career move? Hey, this is not... I am not judging. You're, You're talking to somebody who's pivoted like five or six times, Jenny. Like power to you.
1: I was managing internal communications as well as marketing communications. And we had gone through a major reorganization where a lot of people had been laid off. As the head of internal communications, I was in charge of a lot of the messaging around the, the scripts when we were laying people off. It really was it, it was a sad assignment. I, uh, that part of the job, I didn't like at all we were having all these serious meetings all the time. And I looked around the room in a conference room one day and thought, I don't want my boss's job. And I don't want her boss's job. And so I did the smart thing and did absolutely nothing about it for a (laughs) while. (laughs) I knew I needed to get out, but I didn't do anything. It was not until a friend of mine who owned, co-owned at the time, a small recruiting agency, he just kept telling me, you'd be really good at this. When are you going to come and work for me? Can you do this? Will you? And finally, one day I called him up and I said, okay, I'm ready to to listen. At first, I was just like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I'm not switching gears. I'm on this path. I'm not on that path. But I called him up and he must've had a good sales pitch because I decided to take The job and a $30,000 pay cut to learn an entirely different career field. And this at this point was about 10 years into my career. Was this TRG or was this
0: another company? That
1: was the, the recruiting agency that the friend who had brought me in, he co owned it at the time.
0: Okay. So TRG is a global. Market leading professional services firm focused on delivering technical excellence. That's what it says on the website. What does it mean to say that TRG leads in professional services? Because you're using the term recruiting. I was using the term recruiting. They describe themselves as being in professional services. Is it just
1: six of one, half dozen of the other? In some regards, I, I believe so. I, I can't speak for them. But professional services, I believe, also means because they run contractors through the organization. So it's not just placing people in jobs. It's actually when a corporate client of theirs needs people or a person on a, a fin- for a finite period of time. That person would then become a contractor of, in this case, TRG. So they're essentially TRG's employee, but they're providing professional services there. So Yeah, it's kind of
0: like, uh, it's a type of temp work, but yeah. where you're really finding people who are specialized yes. in certain fields and certain job functions versus like answering a phone which is the way that most yeah. of us would think of temps. Yeah, this was a level of, of high skills. Did you experience any imposter syndrome through the course of pivoting or anxiety, whether it was pivoting from journalism into marketing and comms, whether it was pivoting from marketing and comms into
1: recruiting? Yes and yes. It's it's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable for everyone, even under the best of circumstances. And in both of those instances, these were moves I wanted to make. I was excited about making. But you go from knowing the lay of the land, knowing the people, knowing what your day-to-day is, jumping into something entirely new, a new environment, a new subject matter. I mean, my first PR job, I had to learn the ins and outs of industrial robots very quickly. (laughs) And And how did you do that? I went down on the manufacturing floor, the assembly floor, and I learned from the engineers. I uh, went into a couple of classes. I studied the data sheets, which I would ultimately end up writing. Just really tried to immerse myself because I didn't want to look stupid. Let me me
0: just, if I could, no pun intended, drill down on that just for a moment, because (laughs) I experienced imposter syndrome. I experienced the whole like, oh my God, how am I going to wrap my head around this? Because even when you have transferable skills, oftentimes when you are moving from industry to industry, as you and I both know, Jenny, there's going to be a learning curve. That is natural. And I am guessing that you also were educating yourself outside of work hours because I'm
1: sure of it.
0: Yes. I was doing that too, reading case studies, books, all kinds of things to come up to speed. So that's why I wanted to ask you about that.
1: Absolutely. And same when I went into recruiting, I had never recruited. And I had never recruited in the IT industry, which is where I began. And so learning all the IT terms, learning what it takes to be a good developer or a good systems administrator, it was drinking out of the fire hose for sure. But it become, it makes it so much easier to do your job and do it well if you if you do dedicate yourself to learning as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And even today, in what I do today, our field changes pretty quickly. Technologies change, trends change, uh, the economy changes and and so i I do work hard still to to stay up to date on what's coming out. how are we doing differently? like what's AI gonna do for us the, uh, the things that are just whipping at us fast and furiously. I feel like I owe it to to myself as a professional, but more importantly, or as importantly, I owe it to my clients to be able to be sharing guidance and support from a place of, of currency and knowledge.
0: What advice do you have for our young listeners who are all going to be the newbies in whatever First step they take after they graduate in terms of how to navigate their lack of knowledge in new industries and how to communicate that to their supervisor in a way that makes them look really smart.
1: I'm a big proponent of asking curious questions. And I think, especially with new professionals, young professionals, it's not only tolerated in most instances it's appreciated i admire young adults who ask thoughtful questions and and demonstrate that they really want to learn and they're really curious and they want to get good at this and so i would encourage anyone setting into a new job to not be afraid to ask your your boss questions and certainly ask your boss who else might be a good person to speak with when you need help with this or when you have questions about that. And I think that's important for a couple of reasons. One is you don't want to overload your boss. Don't view that as me saying your boss doesn't want to hear your questions because... I'm not saying that at all, but you don't want to every five minutes be, oh, i got one more question. Oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? So figuring out other players on the team or in the organization to go to when I have a question about HR or when I have a question about the product or whatever, super, super beneficial. And not only will that help you learn about your your function, your products, your your business, it, you'll build relationships that will will certainly be beneficial for you professionally, but also help you feel like you're settling in and fitting in faster than if you just try and knuckle down and figure it out on your own.
0: That is great advice. I love spreading the wealth among other members <laughs> in the office. <laughs> One of the challenges that most of the young people I coach have, you mentioned functions. It's wrapping their brain around the difference between job functions, especially in communications, marketing, advertising, sometimes even finance. If they're interested, in communications, in pursuing communications jobs, then nine out of 10 times when I say, so follow your interests into a communications job function in any industry, nine out of 10 times, they're like the communications industry, the marketing industry. It's hard for them to visualize, to conceptualize the idea that job functions are cross-cutting so that you can have a communications job function in aerospace, in robotics, in the IT industry. So what advice or insight can you offer to help them connect that dot, connect those dots?
1: It might be easier to think about if I say HR, human resources. Every organization, most organizations, have a human resources person or a human resources team. So that's an automotive company, that's a tech company, that's Coca Cola, that's Nike. They are all in different industries, but they all have an HR person or an HR team. And that's the very same with strategic communications. Strategic communications, in short, is designed to further the business through impactful storytelling, more or less, or engage audiences through impactful storytelling. So that storytelling can mean a lot of different things. It it can mean how do we keep our own employees engaged whether that's through our newsletter or our other internal communications that could mean um engaging clients so what we're communicating at our trade shows or our big industry events and so yes you are correct communications is across every industry most companies and it's it's the function of furthering the business, growing your audience, getting people to love your brand even more through the power of storytelling.
0: And the same is true if you're in IT or in an IT job function or a research Mm -hmm. job function or a sales job function. If the company is big enough you're going to find those job functions in
1: that company, no matter Absolutely. what the industry is. Right, right. Absolutely. Every company needs tech people. We run on tech today. So whether I'm making loaves of bread or semiconductors, we need, we need IT. Yeah. In
0: 2010, <laughs> you pivoted again. And even though there is (laughs) overlap in the skills and in the approaches, really, I mean, I'm just thinking when you would be recruiting for a role, when you found your top candidates, I bet you were coaching them before they spoke with whoever the hiring managers were. So in 2010, you became a CEO again and started another company, this time called, is it called Job Jenny?
1: Jobjenny.com. Yep.
0: Jobjenny.com. Why did you decide to pivot again, Jenny, and step around really to the other side of the desk and actually help the job seekers and the career launchers and career pivoters?
1: This was 2010, was on the tail end of the economic downturn of 2008 and 2009-ish. And during that time, when people knowing that I was a recruiter, when they'd lose their job, and there were a lot of them, I knew a lot of people who lost their jobs, they would contact me because they'd hear I was a recruiter and instantly think I can help them find a job. Well, at that time, I was a recruiter for the robotics industry. So unless these people somehow had ties to the robotics industry or wanted to work in robotics, there really wasn't a lot I could do to help them. And so I got to thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could create a place where people could come and go, get tips, get support, get a pep talk. So I, I would be able to help them but not take up a lot of my recruiting time because if you're not recruiting, you're not making money. And I was a single mom at the time I needed to make money. And so I created JobJenny.com almost on a whim, if you will. It was not originally intended to be a business. It was kind of my fun project. It was your Love. side hustle. Maybe, it like, really yeah. wasn't even a hustle at first. It was more <laughs> of a, a creative writing outlet. And then people started asking for resume help. So I thought, well, I could probably add a resume service. And then people were asking for coaching help. So I thought, well, I could probably add that. And so it kind of snowballed. And I was trying to run both the recruiting agency and Job Jenny at the same time and did it for a few years, but it got really difficult. And so I decided to pick my favorite and my favorite has been you know was has been will continue to be working one on one with people who are working to land their first job or make a pivot or get a promotion or find something more meaningful to them. So that's that's how I'm here.
0: I love it. One of the biggest pain points that I see Often among students that I coach and some recent grads, Jenny is confusion over how to start their career and where to start it. There's this feeling that, and this is especially true with students who have a variety of interests, they sometimes feel overwhelmed by the choices and opportunities and don't want to shut down. Any opportunities in the future by picking door number one over door number two and door number three. What advice can you offer them to help them get the clarity that they crave?
1: I honestly think it's less about getting the clarity that you crave and more about getting comfortable with this idea that you pretty much can't go wrong to the point of, you know, irreparable career harm. You've got so much runway in front of you no matter what you choose, you're going to get something out of it that that you'll take with you in whatever direction you head professionally. And so if you can lighten up the worry, which I know is easier said than done especially for those who put a lot of pressure on themselves or if your parents (laughs) put some pressure on you. But I know the stakes feel very high for a lot of people, particularly young adults. I just went and got my journalism degree. I've got to get a job as a journalist. And if I don't, all that schooling is for nothing. And, And that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. And so getting comfortable with the idea that even if you don't end up with your first choice, if you will, of, of a job right out of college. Think about what can I get out of this and keep your goal in mind and, and keep pressing forward toward the next thing. But um, don't panic. It sounds
0: like what you're saying is that it is next to impossible. For a new grad to make a strategic mistake by picking one option over another in their first couple of jobs, maybe you'd even go farther, that they can't really make a bad call, whether they end up working at the local grocery store or working for a temp agency as I did or driving Uber, which didn't exist (laughs) when I was looking for jobs.
1: I'm absolutely saying that. Now, the trick is if you land in a spot and you know relatively soon after landing there that this is not truly the direction I want to continue on in, not just getting lazy or throwing up your hands and saying, Well, this is as good as it gets, is to stay focused on on moving steering your career your career will happen to you. It will, if you allow it to. This will come up, that'll come up. Your friend will say, hey, come work over here. And I work with plenty of people 10, 15, 20 years into their careers that say, I finally want to think about what I really want to do next. I want to make sure I'm being thoughtful about this. Because it is, it's very, very common to just let things happen along the way. And maybe that is a great thing, ultimately. But keeping in mind that you're in charge of taking your career where you want it to go, I think will benefit you over the decades, really. Yeah, I would say
0: you can be in charge if you want to be. I actually describe myself in the interview that I just released today that I did with Maya Grossman of another, she worked in the tech world in marketing. And I described her as more of like a technical mountain climber in the way that she approached her career. And I think I'm more like a surfer. I am one of those people that's like out there in the ocean looking over her shoulder, and I catch a wave. And sometimes I get wiped out and I get back on my board and I look over my shoulder and I catch a wave. I think there are different approaches. I want to bring in your new book, Jenny. Do This, Not That, career, 75 plus different workplace situations to ask you about how, especially young career folks, can be strategic, can be more like that technical mountain climber in the way that they start their careers.
1: One of the, the recommendations I would have for, for those who have a reasonable idea of what a great first job might be is to grab four or five of those job descriptions that you've identified as great possibilities and try and figure out what are the most common overlapping skills or qualifications are they looking for in these job descriptions? And are you missing any or are you light on any? And I would say a strategic plan is to shore up those areas where you're light. So maybe there's a software that you're seeing over and over again. Boy, they really want people who have this. Is there a way you can jump into a course, whether that's in person at your university, online, and get some baseline skills in that? Or is it saying we want somebody who has experience managing? communities social media communities so if you're not doing that already can you do it maybe on a volunteer basis for an organization near you i mean nonprofits are always looking for in that instance social media savvy young people to help them understand how they can leverage these platforms to to promote their their causes so that's a strategic move that i i would would encourage is identifying skills that are needed over and over again in those jobs and thinking about how can I get them?
0: Great advice.
1: What would you say
0: are some of the most relevant do's and don'ts in the workplace for people who are early in their careers?
1: Do ask curious questions, which we've talked a little bit about. Don't feel intimidated by the fact that you're young because workplaces need diversity of thought. They need all kinds of people to get their perspective, to get their ideas. So don't be intimidated. You would not have gotten the job if the person or people that decided to extend the offer didn't think that you had the capability to learn and thrive in that job and get to know people who are doing great work. And perhaps you can become friends or seek out a mentor in your organization over time that can teach you things along the way. And and quite frankly, they can learn from you as well along the way.
0: Beautiful. What about some don'ts?
1: Don't be so eager, and and I, I'm hesitant to say this because I'm never one to say, "Hey, just sit back on your heels." But having some emotional intelligence or awareness, where even if you're super confident, you don't want to just go in and act like you know it all. Nobody does when they first started an organization, but certainly being mindful that some of the long timers there might feel threatened by younger talent. So so really going in and, and being authentic and open-minded and eager to learn rather than just going in and, you know, I've got my degree from somewhere, wherever, and I'm going to light you all on, you know, it's going to light up the world. Do light up the world for sure. Just go in knowing that you're working with, a diverse group of people and and diverse mindsets. That would be a big one that I would recommend. Just be a
0: little humble, maybe. A little bit humble. Yeah. And patient, a little patient that things will happen. I remember this reminds me of another interview. I can't remember who the guest was, Jenny, but they were talking about how their supervisor, they wanted to get promoted after like nine months or 10 months. And he said, their supervisor said, just keep doing the work. Focus on doing the best job you can right now in the job that you have and good things are going to happen. I promise.
1: And make sure that you are thoughtfully socializing your wins. So Your boss doesn't always know when you did something amazing. So bringing that up in your one-on-one meeting, hey, I'm really excited because I was finally able to XYZ or in the team meeting. Don't assume that your manager knows your every move. And one of the ways to progress your career is to make sure that you are thoughtfully promoting your wins.
0: Oh, I love that one. That is so powerful. I would also add, and I learned this later in my career, I think in the fourth industry that I worked in, the beautiful spirit that you engender when you promote the wins of other members of your team in public. When you do that, oh my gosh, you engender so much goodwill, not just from your team, but from other other team members they see you. That is
1: the quintessential team player. I thoroughly agree with that. Being able to to show gratitude, to promote others, to to really support others. And this can be hard. It can be hard for anyone when you're younger, you may have a tendency to feel threatened or super competitive. But I'll tell you what, and this is something I've learned over the years, I consider many of my competitors friends and they're people I learn from and I most certainly support them. And over the years, I've had opportunity after opportunity result from that you know, I can't do this speaking event. Is it okay if I recommend you? Or could you partner with me on this business activity? So I think that's another biggie. Don't assume everyone is just this cutthroat competitor. And and in fact, getting people to view you as somebody who's supportive, collaborative, truly a team player is going to go a long way.
0: So before we get to the final two T4C questions that I try to ask all of my guests, Jenny, I would love to get your counsel on how students can make the best first impression when speaking with new professionals that they'd like to add to their network.
1: So when you say new professionals, is that new being young people or new like I'm just meeting you professional?
0: So this is more like students who are speaking to professionals who they don't know, who they'd like to add to their network. How can they best impress them, make the best first impression on those new contacts? Let's say they're having an informational interview with them, grabbing a coffee with them. What would you recommend?
1: It is very easy for them to say yes when you make that request. So keep it short. Let them know why you're reaching out to them and what you admire maybe about their background or or their their work. Ask if they'd be willing to meet for a brief conversation and invite them to meet. And then when you do meet, understand if this is an informational interview and you've asked for it. You are the interviewer. You are not the interviewee. So don't plan to come and sit down and be like, okay, ask me anything. You come with questions about their background. If they were just starting out in their career, what are three pieces of advice that they'd give to you? Is there anyone that you recommend that I meet, given my background and what we're we're talking about here today? Those are some really important things to ask. And then backing all the way out to to when you do reach out to people, in my experience, it's challenging for a lot of young people to make the ask in the first place. So the fact that you do impresses me already because I think, I bet that's not easy for this young person to reach out and ask me for this. And I admire them for asking. So. Do not be afraid to ask. Make it easy for them to say yes, though. Don't ask them for 10 hours of their time or to walk your resume over to so-and-so right out of the gates. And be prepared that there will be people who just don't answer you, don't respond at all. Maybe a few that say no, but some will say yes. And and having three yeses out of 10, that's 30% ahead of where you'd be if you asked zero people. Love
0: that You already advice. know you're
1: at zero percent if you ask zero people. Yeah.
0: Who was it that said there's something about you can't make any runs. You don't score any runs if you don't get to bat.
1: Oh, you miss all the shots that you don't take.
0: There you go. I am so bad when it comes to telling jokes. I always do the like punchline before the beginning. So thank you. So two final t for c questions, Jenny. Could you share a time in your professional life of various pivots and zigs and zags when you failed or face planted? And I personally speak very openly about having been fired twice, which is a big F, twice in my 40s and how eventually didn't take that long. I came to realize they had been incredible gifts to me. The reason that I ask this question is that I want our young listeners to appreciate that you can and will faceplant and bounce back maybe even higher than you were before and if you could share a lesson that you learned in the process.
1: So, I think one of my my bigger faceplants, if you will, was when I was thinking I wanted to leave the recruiting agency that had hired me, TRG, and start my own recruiting agency. And and that had to be done with sensitivity because there were non-compete considerations that I had to navigate. Well, around that time, I was doing my own personal blog, thinking it was just something that my family and friends could see. And one of my blog posts was complaining about an aspect of my recruiting job before I left to form my own recruiting agency. And somehow, and I'm not even sure how, my boss got the link found the article about my complaining about him and honestly I was mortified and it wasn't even that bad but I was absolutely mortified I mean crawl into a hole mortified that you know Jenny Foss does not talk badly about people you know and and now she's just gotten caught absolutely crawling. red-handed <laughs> and I do believe that I had I not given my notice, you know, in the day or two prior to then, I would have been fired. I think I would have been fired. And so while I lucked out in that regard, where I I chose my departure, it really took a lot out of me. And the lesson that I learned was If it's something you're not going to say to somebody's face, don't put it in writing. Do not put it in writing. And when you think people can't find this or that on the internet, unless it's completely locked down through passwords or privacy settings, they can. They can. I'm
0: so glad you said, don't put it in writing. I thought you were going to say, don't say it. And I was like, oh my God, you've got so much self-control and how can you not say when there are things that, are? I mean, obviously not say it to them, but say it to anyone that is. So thank you for showing that you're human.
1: (laughs) That was kind of a big one. And, and, you know, it's weird because I see it on LinkedIn in the activity section, people sometimes get heated up about topics and they go back and forth in the comments. And what they're not realizing is that in on their own profiles, in their activity feeds, anyone they're connected to can see what they're posting, sharing, commenting on. And some of that is, uh, let's just say, not all that conducive to a favorable outcome with job search. So it kind of reminds me of that is even if you're feeling heated about something, which obviously I was feeling heated, you don't need to put it into writing on a public platform.
0: Yes. And in fact, that dovetails with Jennifer Brick saying, "Mm, maybe reconsider becoming besties with your work colleagues. That's something that was actually one of her YouTube videos that got well over a million views. That was a And it's not to say you can't be friendly with or become friends, better friends with after you leave, right? But sometimes like sharing your deepest, darkest, whatever feelings with your colleagues, not necessarily such a great strategic move. I'm not saying I followed that, Jenny, but this was Jennifer Brick's advice. Final question. If you could go back to school, if you could go back to Michigan State and do it all over again, but based on the immense wisdom that you have right now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Really to keep my goals, keep my push, but lose the the black and white thinking of, if I don't get this, all is bad. If this doesn't come through, I'm never going to make it. Because I have had a lot of different chapters in my career to date. I've had things not go the way I wanted them to. I've had hiccups along the way. And based on where 20-year-old Jenny was... If those things were happening when I was 20, it would have, my head would have exploded. And so having learned that not only can it work out really nicely, the combination of the skills and experience you get along the way may be beneficial in ways that you're not even thinking about right now, not even thinking about yet. And so, and that's me who would have known that My strong writing skills as a journalist, my strong marketing skills, and my strong knowledge of staffing and recruiting would all culminate so perfectly with what I do today as Job Jenny. I would have never, never known that at Michigan State. So I would tell 20-year-old me, 22-year-old you all, whoever's listening, I would say, don't over-sweat the beginning of your career.
0: Yeah. Take a deep breath. Maybe ride a wave or two. You can be technical and be strategic, but maybe don't hold so tightly. Don't cling so tightly to what you think has to happen. You're not going to break it's anything so
1: early in your career. Oh gosh. You might head in a different direction for a while, but you're you're not going to break anything.
0: Yeah. And it it's probably going to be a better direction, ultimately. Jenny is the author of the new book, Do This, Not That, career, 75 plus different workplace situations. It is a must buy to empower you through the years to come. We've got graduation season, a great book for those new grads. For pretty much anyone. And she's the founder and chief career guru at JobJenny.com, which you should check out for their wonderful blog posts and other resources such as courses that you may want to take online and give her a follow on LinkedIn. Jenny, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was terrific.
1: I've really been looking forward to this. I know we had to push this out a little bit. And it's really great to finally talk in our go green and your go green, go white. <laughs> what we're wearing. true Spartan attire today. Thank you. And uh, to everyone listening, yes, I would love to connect. Find me over on LinkedIn.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time4coffee.org the number four, coffee.org, or text me at 202 236 that's 202